Today on Locked On Red Wings, a World Junior Championship recap. The best case and worst case scenario in year one for Derek Lalonde. And then how do you feel about it Friday to wrap things up? Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's go. That was the first try, baby. First try. I was like, what are you dreaming about? (laughs) He did. He did. He got it. That's the first time. I don't know if I could tell you the last time that you got it in the first. It was so clean. It was. No, you nailed it. Good articulation. No stumbles at all. It was solid. Today, Thursday, I'm recording this, is the first day I've hosted the Daily J. And so I spent all day recording and re-recording lines. So I'm just in that in that recording in radio in voice zone? zone. I'm in the zone right now. So cold open. Heck that's yeah. the best part of the day. Better than the whole Daily J thing is the cold open. <laughs> was the best <laughs> one day. 30 seconds right there. It's the highlight of Ryan's day. Let's go. Today's episode <laughs> is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online, where the game starts. Uh, so, Scotty, today you and I are going to talk about uh, World Juniors first, but after that, we're going to talk about Derek Lalonde, best case, worst case scenario, since we've finished up on the players. I think it's pertinent to talk about the fact that, uh, actually, it was your idea. Um, I think it's pertinent to talk about the fact that it's his first year with the Detroit Red Wings as the Red Wings look to take a step forward in their uh, development or in this rebuild, rather. So we're going to talk about him and what we expect from him. And then segment three. It's Friday, so let's have some fun. How do you feel about a Friday? But back to what we're talking about, segment one here. Uh, some Red Wings prospects. There were, what, nine of them at World Juniors. We talked about it a little bit here and there, doing updates as this tournament went on. But we haven't talked about it since the playoffs portion of it began, and it's since over. Canada, of course, won gold again because Canada remains a powerhouse, but it did go to overtime, and uh, Finland did nearly win it. But holy cow, that goal line save by McTavish was phenomenal. He's not a Red Wings prospect. He's an Anaheim Ducks prospect. But the captain of Team Canada, that goal line save directly kind of led to the the game-winning goal by the Canadians. That was incredible, first off. Yeah, and and he had, had like, really messed up a defensive sequence about, like, three or four minutes earlier, too. Like, he had really, really, like – eaten like taking it took it in the chin and like was really getting uh kind of flamed by some people for a really bad defensive breakdown earlier so to see him like make it up with that with the game on the line was super cool um yeah look i I, like hot take and i know that uh red wings fandom as a whole there's a lot of people that it's a nice uh it's a nice little little sweater zip up thing going on there thank you oh one sec yep you almost got it there you go um It's, uh, it, you, you know, like hot take. I actually really like the ducks. Like I, I know that people, Oh, you've said have, that before. Right. You know, I know, but like, I, I, everybody like freaks out. If you say anything positive about the ducks or about Trevor Zegras or anything, because of like the whole, you know, NHL was all about Zegras all season. Like our guy won the award. Like it's like it's it's everything's fine. You know what I mean? Like nothing, nothing, whatever. He made the highlight flashy plays. Our guy 
won the award that he deserved to win. I'm not sure why we're still like really mad and like hating the the Ducks organization. I that former Red Wing is now running the show. Former Red Wings front office person is now running is now their GM too. Like it's it's really I don't know. I, I really like what they got cooking over there. I like all their young prospects. So seeing McTavish do that um, was super super fun. And they were uh, th- that team as, as a whole. The Ducks were pretty well uh, represented in World Juniors just yeah. as we were. Well, and so the Red Wings had two members of Team Canada win gold uh, as part of their organization, and that was Donovan Sobrango, obviously. He looked solid all season or all tournament long. He had two assists, just those two points, plus seven. Uh, He looked very sound. He looked very well-rounded. He made smart plays. I really liked what I saw to Donovan Sobrango. I mean, he not too surprised. I mean, he played last season with the Grand Rapids Griffins. You're playing the second-best professional hockey in the world down there at the Grand Rapids Griffins. So I'm not surprised by his development and how he showed out against fellow on U20 players. Uh, Sebastian Kosa only played the one game against Latvia. He looked fine, but he also got a gold medal. So I'm really happy with how Donovan Sobrango showed out. But I think the real, the guy who really stole the show in terms of Red Wings prospects, and we've mentioned him in the past, but that's got to be Carter Mazur. Carter Mazur, they Unfortunately, Team USA got knocked out in the quarterfinals. It was disappointing. We were Americans. We wanted Team USA to win. But in the games that they did play, Carter Mazur had seven points. He had five goals and two assists. And I talked about Donovan Sobrango making the smart plays from the defensive side of things. Carter Mazur was just such an all-around complete package this tournament. And I mentioned it before, but he never went out there and he like never wowed with his performance. Like he didn't, I mean, he did wow with his performance, but I mean, like he wasn't doing flashy plays. He wasn't going out there and like making four or five slick moves to score a goal. He was setting up plays, breaking into the zone, and then getting into a position to receive the pass back and score a goal. I saw three or four goals where he was just in the right spot for his teammates to set him up. He kept putting himself in positions to succeed, and that is why he did so well. And to, to cap it off, and when Dan Cleary talked after during development camp about Carter Mazur really showing huge improvements since last season, I mean, we saw it. Now we have the the words from Dan Cleary, but we also have the film on ice. Like he does look way better than he did last season. He took a huge step forward. Yeah, absolutely. It was a um, it, I, like World Juniors are always one of my like favorite things to watch. Like one of my favorite sporting events of the calendar year is is World Juniors. It's super cool to see just this pool of of talented prospects, and especially again once you get into like the the later parts of the tournament and you see these powerhouses like Canada and such. So um, seeing, seeing our guys, like we, we talked about it when the world juniors first started, like we were pretty well represented. Like the Red Wings were, were pretty well represented as a whole um, scattered across, you know, all countries. Like it was, it was really, really cool to see. And, and yeah, I, I agree. There were definitely, um, there were definitely some, some standouts and, I, man, I, it would have been, it would have been really cool to see, to see USA go further. Like you said, um, and yeah, hockey, front right? of the program, front of the program, red Savage looked, uh, looked pretty nice. Yeah. He looked really good on the fourth line. Uh, yeah. Having three points, two goals and one assist on four from fourth line production is really, really solid. solid. Yeah. There was he one game a scoring touch that bottom I six. Had, I think he had a goal and, a, mm-hmm. and an apple in one game specifically. Yeah. yeah. He, he was put it this way. So Carter Mazur had seven points, but it was only a plus one. Red Savage had three points, but it was a plus five. So when he was on the ice, the team was scoring more goals and they were getting scored on at a better rate than what 
has happened when Carter Mazur was on the ice. So Red Savage definitely helped provide more offense and more defense as well for Team USA before they got, unfortunately, again, eliminated in the quarterfinals. Uh, Team Sweden won bronze in this one. Uh, Simon Edmondson, William Wallander, and Theodore Theodor Niederbach all looked pretty solid as well. Simon Edmondson had a bout with food poisoning, which is why his um, production and play kind of took a dip. He missed a couple games and came back, and he just he wasn't quite there, but he was still pretty good. But early tournament, Simon Edmondson looked great. He had one goal, one assist for two points. William Wallander had three assists for three points, and Theodor Niederbach had two, one goal and three assists for four points. All three of them looked really good. I, I'm really excited about Absolutely. the Swedish prospects that are coming over and soon to be in the Red Wings. Good, uh, we have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, well, especially when you lump Albert Johansson in there as well. I mean, that's yeah, sure. especially in the, the defensive Swedes we have. Johansson, Wallander, Edinson. Wow. This defensive core is going to look very Swedish and very good. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm pumped, man. And then the other two guys, Emil Vero played with Team Finland. He won uh, silver with Team Finland. He had one assist. Didn't really see too much out of Emil Vero that left me going, oh, wow, this guy. You know, not to sound rude, but just comparing to the other Red Wings prospects, he didn't wow me as much. Same thing with Jan Bednar. Uh, he only he had one win. He had an assist, which is interesting, uh, and an 8-5 save percentage. Not necessarily the best out of Jan Bednar from Team Check, but uh, yeah, nine nine prospects. Deep pool for the hey, Red Wings at World What Juniors. did we say at the beginning? World Juniors only matters if it if helps your narrative. If it helps your narrative. And Team Canada, Team Sweden, and Team USA really helped our narrative. So, Absolutely. Dang right. We like those guys. Uh, when we come back, we'll talk about Derek Lalonde's worst case and best case scenarios for this upcoming year. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about Bet Online. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all your sports wagering information from live in-game betting, scores, and podcasts. They have you covered. Head to BetOnline today or use your mobile device to learn more about the action happening today. BetOnline, where the game starts. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are going to transition now to talk about Derek Lalonde and uh, his best and worst case scenarios with the Detroit Red Wings as his first year in head coach. Uh, Scotty, as I just prefaced it, it's his first year as not just the Detroit Red Wings head coach, but as a head coach in general at the NHL level. Steve Eisman uh, plucked him right out of the winning organization, Tampa Bay Lightning, where he was once general manager. No surprise really there. What are we expecting as the best and worst case scenario when it comes to Derek Lalone in year one? Yeah, so I, I think like when judging a coach, I think – a lot of this stuff will obviously be reflected in the record at the end of the season, right? Like that's like the easiest thing to point to and just go, Hey, you know, how, how many games do we need to win for everybody to be satisfied? But also not all records are the same in the sense that, you know, injuries can happen um, massive under, you know, like the tigers, like everyone can just be terrible and it doesn't even have to be the manager's fault entirely. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's not necessarily all equal in that sense, but I, I think objectively one of the things we can all look at and agree on that he is going to be judged very, I don't, I don't want to say harshly because I don't want to make it like a negative connotation, but 
um, very like strictly, like everyone's going to be very much paying attention to the special teams. I think that's hands down the biggest thing. And I know that he's not full, uh, like in, in charge of it right off rip. And um, I, I know that we, we kept some coaches from last year and whatnot, but that has been a massive, massive failure over the last two, three, four, five years with, with this team. And we went out and signed free agents to fit a scheme, like fit a the, the better special teams, like personnel. We, we have better personnel for penalty kill and power play. And I, I truly think, again, even though he's not necessarily like the, the special teams coach, he is the head coach. And, and that is something that has been so bad. I, I think that he will be graded pretty harshly on that. So in my like best and worst case, I think, that will probably have a decent amount to do with it. So I kind of sort of agree with you on this, not fully. Um, I, I do think that there is going to be a focus on what Derek Lalonde can do as a first-time head coach, but I think just from the regards that, one, he was handpicked by Steve Eiserman because we give a long leash to Steve Eiserman. So by consequence, whoever Steve Eiserman picks is going to get a longer leash as well. Um, I think also the fact that he is that first time head coach, people are going to be a little bit more patient with him. I mean, look at what happened with is happening with Dan Campbell, and the Detroit lions. Have you ever seen, I mean, one, you know, Dan Campbell seems likable. We didn't have that with Matt Patricia. People didn't like him immediately, which means the short leash was that much shorter. But when people like a guy and if he's a first time head coach on a rebuilding team, I think people are a little bit more forgiving of uh, problems. The difference here is, is Dan Campbell took over a team that is, at the beginning of a rebuild where Derek Lalonde is taking over a team that is supposedly coming out of a rebuild, not necessarily like making the playoffs, know, but it's starting the upward up, trajectory. Though, sure. Yeah. It's so, like the, the, I always, the, the letter V, right? Like that's mm-hmm. like the rebuild, right? You crash, then you go up and the lions. Yeah. Campbell took over before they had even really, I, I think hit. I think last bottom. year was the bottom out. Year. Right. And then now, you know, hopefully trending up again, but, um, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying for sure. So Dan Campbell, you can make a little bit more of an argument. He was given a longer leash because there was no expectations for the team. So sure. maybe it is a little tighter on Derek Lalone because it, this team has some expectations to them. But I do think that when it comes to best and worst case scenarios, best case scenario for him is obviously, like you said, power play and penalty kill take a huge step forward team's production and scheme takes a whole huge step forward i mean golly the the bar the offensive scheme needs to get significantly the the playing not to lose like parking of the bus thing of yes. last year drove me up a wall yeah well also sure. when it comes no to offensive now. zone entries yeah no aggr- been, it, it was the least aggressive nhl team i've <laughs> ever laid my eyes on yeah they, they would just dump and chase, which doesn't work at the NHL level. So best case scenario, you need to see the penalty and the power penalty kill and the power play take a step forward as well as the offensive scheme. You need to see even there's a lot that needs to improve. Even strength goals against needs to drastically improve. I think that might be the biggest thing. Even strength goals against needs to drastically improve. Um, goals for needs to improve. But when it comes to his realistic best case, I'm not going to come in here and expect Derek Lalonde as a first year head coach with a team of guys he's never seen before to just immediately make this team a playoff team. I think it, I think he, his best case scenario is very much in line with the team's best case scenario, which is fifth or sixth in the division. If this team finishes fifth or sixth in the division because of him, not in spite of him, 
then I will see it as a successful season. Now, if the team finishes seventh or eighth, I would mark that as a worst case scenario, as in the team did not improve whatsoever in terms of, I'm sorry, not fifth or sixth, fourth or fifth as best case scenario. But if they finish below that sixth, seventh or eighth, that would be my best, my worst case scenario, because that means the team didn't take nearly as big of a step forward with the added depth. And really all you can do is obviously you can look at the players and see if they didn't pan out, but look at the line combinations, look at the scheme. Then you know that maybe it's not working quite yet, but in the end, you're still going to have more patience. You're not going to fire Lalone after year one unless they're historically bad because you realize that it takes a while for schemes to click. For sure. And and I, I think there's just so many like moving parts on how you can grade a head coach in the NHL. Like I, you know, if we're, uh, if we have the exact same record as last year, but the special teams numbers go up, and uh, I, I guess it'd be pretty hard to do that, but <laughs> have the same record as last year and have the special teams numbers significantly improve. But if we're around, let's say we're the same seed, maybe not, maybe not the same record, but we're around the same seed. We're around that um, still like seven, six range. Like if the power play numbers look up and we continue seeing improvements and good production from the young core, and the, the players that we signed are are, are solid. I, I agree with you. I think that that he will. He's not like, oh, you got you know the sixth seed your first year, you're out of here, and we're just like off ship. Like I, I agree with you. I and I do think best case scenario is probably four seed. That's like the 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 best everything best case. right. Like everything clicks, everything's fantastic. We take a huge leap forward. I, I think that's that's like the. Yeah, very much best case, like almost seems unobtainable best case, but best case for sure. And then, yeah, worst case is probably like you you slide back to like the seventh seed. I, we're like, we're not going to be worse than Montreal. I'll, you can go ahead and clip this, whatever. It's not going to happen. But um, there, Why would I just, click this? I don't want you to be wrong. That <laughs> <laughs> A lot of people do. <laughs> a lot of people enjoy when I'm wrong. But um, there's just a a... I think that a lot more will be graded on in year one will be graded on like how individual players and individual schemes look rather than just like straight up win loss record. That's yeah, that's absolutely. the point that I've been trying to say this entire time is just like, I, I think that there's a lot more that we can grade him. Like we can be the six in the division again and still have a lot of optimism about the following season about like then, you know, making a playoff push the year after next. That's honestly, you put it perfectly there at the end. I can't say it any better than uh, any better myself. So I won't let's go into the next ad read and we'll finish it out with a, how do you feel about a Friday? Let's do it. So this is going to be a PSA by the NHTSA about driving sober. You're hanging out with some friends and putting back a few drinks. A few becomes a few too many. As the evening comes to an end and people start to head out, you think of calling for a ride. Nah, you live nearby. You can make it home okay. It's no big deal. What are the odds you'll get pulled over anyway? And even so, what's the worst that can happen? Your insurance goes up. You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. Everyone knows about the risks of driving drunk. The results are tragic and often deadly. However, that still doesn't stop everyone from getting behind the wheel while under the influence. That's 
That's why police officers are out there right now looking for impaired drivers on our roads to save lives. So if you think you're okay to drive after a few drinks, think again. Play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Drive sober or get pulled over. Segment three, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. Uh, Scotty, let's finish out the week on a lighter note. Uh, we haven't done a how do you feel, a proper how do you feel about it Friday, rather, in quite a while. A while. Yeah, it's been a while. Um, And so I just want to lead it off with, uh, how do you feel about my quarter zip, man? You kind of hinted at it earlier. But, you know. <laughs> I love it, man. I, I absolutely love it. I noticed, the first thing I noticed when uh, when I jumped on stream, and I, I guess I forgot to say something, but yeah, no, it's that thing's sweet. Yeah, birthday gift uh, from the fam this past birthday, but it's been so hot all summer that I haven't worn it. But today I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna rock it. So this unfortunately, winter, that thing's gonna be used this winter. Yeah. That thing. Um, yeah. I'm gonna stand out like a sore thumb in public <laughs> with the bright red just top. Uh, but unfortunately, there is no way of buying it because it was custom made by family. So unfortunately for you listeners, it's still sweet though. It's a it's a one of so its value is very high. I'll yeah, just find it. You know, it's actually game worn. It's game. It's game worn. I like that. Oh, um, how do you feel about, have you been watching hard knocks? I have. How, how do you feel about it? So I didn't see the third episode yet because I haven't seen the third episode. Life yet. is busy, but I've seen the first two. Yep. I like it a lot. Uh, you got to come into it realizing that it, it's intentionally kind of designed well, that's not necessarily true, but for the lions, because of where they're at and where the expectations are, it's kind of designed just to be a huge, long hype video for the lions for sure. because lions have been bad for so long. And now you have, we've talked, we've talked a lot about Dan Campbell and the lions today. Uh, we've talked about Dan Campbell and the lions and how he's inspired hope in the locker room, inspired hope in the fan base. So hard knocks knows what they're doing. HBO knows what they're doing and they're, they're hitting on that. And so it's really, really good. Um, I, I really enjoy the dichotomy between, you know, what the players, certain players on the team are like. I mean, when you listen to Aiden Hutchinson and Jamal Williams talk, Jamal, anytime Jamal Williams speaks, I am ready to run through a brick wall. Oh yeah, absolutely. But they're they're both the such rider. they're both really interesting and good listens. Interesting is a dumb word. They're both really good listens in the way they talk and speak about word. the team. Like Jamal Williams is very much all team. Like he's all about the team. And Aiden Hutchinson is too, but like his mind in year one is just all about I'm gonna like I'm locked in. I'm gonna do the be the best player that I can be. I want to be the best player out there. Jamal Williams is locked in on like the team as a whole. Like very and this is what I've been feeling. As in, he wants the team to be really, really good. And obviously yeah. Aiden Hutchinson does, but it's like the difference in how they talk is like so they're it's both so exciting to listen to for a little bit different reasons. I, I both those players are so yeah, fun well, to hear from. I mean, I want for, especially for the position Hutchinson plays at like I want my you know top three overall pick, like rookie defensive end to be like, I'm gonna destroy whoever is put in front of me. Um and yeah, yeah, Jamal Williams, man. I give that dude a lifetime deal. I, I love that man. <laughs> Oh golly, what a what a great human being! Yeah, but um, uh, yeah, I, I I agree with you. I I'm really uh, it's impossible not to like it if you're a Lions fan. How do you feel about Albert Pujols' little Terry's going on? Uh, I don't know, man. I like everybody loves Albert, and I, I'm just like, 
I've never been like a huge Pujols like lover. I really haven't. Like the everybody is just so like, oh, I, like we we want to see him like get to seven hundred so bad and like whatever. And I don't know, man. I I I'm not like actively rooting against him or anything. Like obviously, if you want, like you're indifferent. We we see history. Like I'm, I'm gonna take it, right? Like seven hundred has has only been done. You can count on one hand how many people have seven hundred career homers, but. Um, like if he doesn't get it, I'm just going to be like, okay, cool. Like I, I, I'm not going to be heartbroken. I'm not like actively watching every Cardinals game, like pulling for him super hardcore. Can, it's like, I don't know. Whatever. Can I follow up with another baseball question? Because I saw this the other day. Yeah, of course. How do you feel about the fact that the active leaders and carrying no hitters past the sixth inning? Oh yeah. It's a little Verlander. bit of cherry pick stacked, but it's Verlander, Scherzer, and surprisingly, Anibal Sanchez, who honestly, out of the three of those guys, is probably the most surprising in the way he's reinvented himself to have a resurgence in his late in his career. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did. A, he did a little bit there. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, like, it, you know, makes sense. Uh, Verlander had what, like, like thirteen or fifteen or something ridiculous. However, however long the sample size was, I think well, it was over, over. The fact that he's doing this at thirty nine after Tommy John surgery too is incredible. Yeah, he's unreal, man. Uh, I I think that there is a. Uh, I think he'll probably. Like, he, man, is he going in with an Astros cap? Okay, don't don't be talking crazy. Um, it, it's just it's so. Like last off season, you his value was like at his lowest. Like you could have all reports pretty much said like it's either back to Detroit or like Houston. He's probably just gonna stay in Houston. Like his he was forty coming off Tommy John. Like his value has never been lower. And it, even as a rookie, his, his value was higher. That like people, he was a top prospect, right? Like his value in his career has literally never been lower than it was last off season. And uh yeah, you just didn't didn't really do. And I know, like the qualifying offer thing and everything, but like I don't know, man. That's just you, you had an opportunity to to get to bring him in last season. I guess it wouldn't have mattered this year. Like uh, the, pitching, the pitching's been good for us. I mean, how much of a domino really effect? How much of the domino effect does it have though? Having Justin Verlander come back off Tommy John surgery at thirty nine and just perform out of his mind like he is. I. God himself could not make this team hit a baseball. I it fair, does it doesn't enough. matter. Like the, there's no there's no like oh we have JV and he's doing really well and like the whole like none of these dudes were growing up Tigers fans except for Eric Haas. You know what I mean? Like it's not like they're like oh JV's back. Like woohoo! Like we all are. They're Miguel like Miguel would have hit thirty. I'm telling you. Now. And so it's and and even if they were Tigers fans, it's not going to make them raise their OPSs from five fifty to eight hundred. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it, it's just it's so. This isn't just like oh, it's the worst offense in baseball this year, and like we're looking to take steps forward. Like, this is quite literally one of the worst offenses in the yeah. history of the modern era of baseball, and it's embarrassing. So, another pitcher would not have changed that. I guess is my my final answer there. Like it. Um, how do you feel about the word interesting? It's dumb. And you've, you're the reason why I think it's dumb now because you're <laughs> right. It, it means nothing. It's a filler word. It is. Like what does yeah. interesting mean? It's it, when something's interesting. It's just, 
it's 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 such a bad adjective to use. Doesn't mean anything. It could be positive. It could be negative. It could be especially like over text because yeah. like if you can hear the inflection in someone's voice when they say it, you can kind of be like, oh, that's a sarcastic, interesting, or that's a positive, interesting, interesting or that's a negative one. Over like like if and you're th- writing the word interesting, erase it and rethink of a different word because like and I, I think promise a lot of people- you better words exist to describe what you're thinking of. It is it literally means nothing. And I I went on a whole tangent about this like a year ago on Locked On Tigers, and now anytime on the show that I say the word interesting, I stop myself and say out loud interesting is a dumb word, and then think of a new word to pick. Like I, I refuse to say the word interesting as best well, like, I can. It's such a passive aggressive adjective too. Like if you're trying to, and I know I've done it, but if you're trying to describe something, you're not really like a big fan of player wise, but you don't want to outright say that was a crappy play or this player is bad. You just go, that was a interesting play. You know, right. like it's just, well, that's the thing you can use. You can use it in so many different situations because it means nothing. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean anything. Like, you're right. It's it's so dumb, dude. I, I cannot stand that word. And I yeah, I, I've made an active attempt over the last like 12 to 14 months to like never say it because I think it doesn't accomplish anything. All right. We got time for one more. How do you feel about Phil Kessel to the Vegas Golden Knights? Man, uh, I don't really. I think it's pretty like renowned that nobody really likes Vegas anymore. I think yeah, it was like no a one cool, you know what I mean? Like the first I liked year, first. right? Like the first season, it was like, oh my goodness, they're good and they're an expansion team. It's cute and cool. And then, like, pretty uh, much immediately after season one, people stopped liking Vegas. Um, yeah, I mean, like, good, definitely a good value move. Like, if you look at the contract, like, definitely a, a solid value move for them. Um, but it's good I don't for really, too. yeah. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I, but I don't, I don't wish success to the Vegas Golden Knights, I'll say. So, yeah, but I wish success to Phil Castle. And like, if Phil Castle at his age is capable of putting up 40 points with the uh, Arizona Coyotes, then he'll probably do even better with the Vegas Golden Knights. So, I I think he's going to have a good season. I'm excited for him. He's a great player still. Um, I'm just not excited for Vegas. Vegas oh, yeah. Vegas really does have have an offense. And like the the back end is going to be a uh, you know probably where some of the question marks lie between yeah. goaltending and defense both, but they have a really really electric offense. It's going to be a uh, they're going to be in a lot of take the over. Bet online yes. AD, take yes. the over on Vegas games this year. Yeah. Um because the over sorry, not the over. The, you're right. Their their offense is potent, but their goaltending is a huge question mark because Robin they let they traded Flurry to Chicago, obviously yeah. last off season, and then this off season, Robin Leonard has undergone double hip surgery. Yeah. So their goaltending is a huge question mark. So it's going to be interesting to see what they can. They sorry, don't have sorry, that not interesting defense either. Yeah. Not not incredibly, but but that I offense is deep and good, man. They'll that's, be in play, not... they'll be in playoff conversations. They missed this past sure. year, but I think they'll be definitely in the conversation. Or even like last year was even like, I don't want to call it a fluke. Cause like they lost a lot of games, but yeah, like they, they were, us. they had, a, yes, they had a, there was that one graph. Remember that had like everyone's playoff probability on it. And Vegas is with like 20 games left in the season. Right. Was like 90 something percent. And then they missed the postseason Cause they just like dang near lost out. Yeah. So like, 
they probably should have been there last year too. Like it's it's still a good team. It's just going to be a lot of high scoring games and uh, yeah. I, I and I always I do root for Phil Castle even though I don't really root for the Vegas. So that's fair. All right, that's going to do it for us on Lockdown Red Wings for the week. Uh, we'll be back on Monday. Not really sure what we're going to talk about yet, but we'll figure that out when we get there. Uh, thanks for making Lockdown Red Wings your first listen every day. Now make your second listen Lockdown NHL. Lockdown ex- experts give you a daily 30-minute podcast on all things NHL all year long. Stay up to date on everything in the hockey world. Lockdown NHL, your daily 30-minute NHL podcast. Uh, yeah, Scotty, any final thoughts, man? Uh, we ball. We ball. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. Bet online.